First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 5. This here is concerning David's personal commitment to build this palace that was not for man, as they said, but was for the Lord God. He makes an appeal at the end of verse number 5, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He's talking about things that he's going to be giving, the gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and he goes on. And then he says this, And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? And who then is willing? He says, this is what I'm doing. This is my commitment, my sacrifice, the cost that I have uh, willingly offered, but I want to know who else. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron and they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Let's ask the Lord's blessings upon his word here today. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd help us to see some things, bring out some things this morning that would mean something to Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Lord, this is not a a message that is just preached. It's a message uh, in in seeking a response from every individual here. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us, that you would deal with us, Lord, that you would take this appeal and help us to make it our appeal. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would have your will and your way. Meet with us, Lord. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at the motivation for David's consecration. Because he loved the Lord is the reason why he did things. The reason why, in verse number 3 of 1 Chronicles 29, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, he said, I have of my own proper good of gold, silver, which I have given. And he talked about the things that he gave. And so he did things because of his love for the Lord. And we were reminded that love should be the motivation for our entire relationship with God. Remember the overview of this chapter. This year, we're going to refer back to these main divisions of this chapter as we explore how to be all in for him. We've covered the personal consecration of David in the first part of the chapter, verse number 1, down through verse number 5. And now we move into the cooperation of the people. See, David understood that this project was more than what he could do, more than what one man could accomplish. A nation was enlisted to endorse it, to commit to it to roll up their sleeves and get to work building that palace. This was a multi-generational project. Long after he was dead and gone, God's palace would go on, bringing him glory and 
witnessing of divine love and power and care throughout the known world. David could have merely sacrificed himself, which of course he did that. He could have just ended with self-consecration. He could have left all others behind and just committed himself to the task, but that would have fallen short of what a nation directed by the proper leadership could have accomplished. He could have done much more as a nation, and that's what he appealed to. Let me say this here. I want to serve the Lord. I'm talking about me, this pastor, this person, this believer. I want to serve the Lord. I want to love him because he first loved me. He had patience with me. He pursued me. He saved my unworthy soul, and he's proven faithful to me all along the way. Folks, I love the Lord. I, I truly do. I love the Lord, and I, I, and I want to serve him. I love him, and I've decided to serve him. So then, what am I doing here this morning? See, I've decided. I've committed. I've, I've, I'm going to love him, and I'm going to serve him and obey him. So what am I doing here now? called recruiting. That's what I'm doing, folks. I'm recruiting. I'm enlisting the help of others. We can join in and build a great work of God here that will be a beacon to show the way for countless others. And that's what David said. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? He could have said, with me. Because that's what he was doing, and he was asking others, okay, who wants, to, who wants in on this project? Who is then willing to consecrate his service? Who else wants to join in serving the king with me? Who else is willing to obey and serve and love and labor for him and get on board? And it's an appeal to service. See, any one person worshiping the Lord, obeying the Lord, loving the Lord is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. But God really gets glory when two or three are gathered together in his name. Just like he said, when a congregation honors him together, when a church corporately praises and worships the king. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, unto him, the Bible says, be glory in the church. Glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God gets glory in and through his church. The church brings him glory. You see, folks, corporately, as we gather together and as we serve him and as we worship in unity, we bring glory to him, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. He's speaking to a crowd. He's speaking to a gathering. Not just one, but a people, a nation. He says, hey, we can serve him together, and we can glorify him. We can honor the Lord, and we can worship him. See, Jesus voiced his appeal to those whom he called out to serve him in John chapter 4, verse number 35. Speaking to his disciples, he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? 
Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are, are white already to harvest. Now, what he was talking about there, he says, behold, look. The Samaritans were coming out of the, the fields and out of the, the, the countryside to go meet Jesus after he spoke to the woman at the well and she let others know. And there was a gathering of men that needed Jesus and men that were searching, men that, that needed what they had and they were coming. And he says, hey, look, behold. It was, he wasn't just speaking words. He was saying, behold, and there was a crowd coming. He says, look on the fields. They're white, all ready to harvest. In verse 39, he continues, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the sayings, for the saying of the woman. See, the disciples were inward thinking. Jesus had them look outward. What could be done? See, he dealt with the woman at the well one-on-one, -on -one, but now there was a crowd, and he needed laborers to, to handle the crowd and to, and to bring others into the fold. There's a job to do. The Samaritan men were that harvest he was talking about. Jesus did his job. Now he was recruiting his disciples, recruiting others to get into the harvest. Needs laborers. Pay attention. Let's work together. And so Jesus enlisted. He recruited others to serve him. When Jesus came in contact with men that he created, he was stirred in passion to embrace them and to, to love and to save them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, then. See, he's, he's looking at the multitude and then he turns to his disciples. And you know what he's, re, he's doing here? He's recruiting. He's getting them to pay attention. Ladies, look up here, okay? I don't know what's going on, but put it away. No notes, no anything else. Let's pay attention to what's here. Listen, this is a message. It's not from your preacher. It's from the Word of God to you and to me, me also. Listen, folks, there's plenty of time. I've taken the Word of God and opened it up, and it's a two-edged sword. Boy, it works on me too. And this is important. That's, that's why, and by the way, tonight I'm going to be addressing that. Uh, come tonight, and I'll deal with that a little bit. Family talk, okay? We're going to have a family talk tonight. But, uh, but it's important for us to pay attention to what we're doing here. And this is, when you come to church, when I come to church, what we should do is we should say, God, I want you to speak to me. Amen. Now, this is just something we do. This is just something that I have to, you know, for the next, my family's here, and so I've got to be, no, no. This is for you. This is for me. And again, like I said to begin with, this is a message that requires response. I, I'm asking you for a response. Just as we're talking about Jesus recruited others. Anyway, okay, where was I? <laughs> don't do that. You get me off, you know, and I'm, I, I don't know where to. Okay, let's start again. Okay, let's start the message again. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 9, he saw the multitudes, verse 36, verse 37. When he saw those multitudes, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. And see, now he's asking for laborers. He's looking at the crowd and saying, 
I want to reach the crowd. I want to reach people that I died for. I want the message to get out to them. But he's enlisting workers. He's recruiting here. And he, and he, and he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous but, plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. See, that's when he called upon believers to join him in laboring in his fields. Laborers are needed. And that's what he's saying here. Hey, we need, we need some workers. And he's appealing for that help. Nowhere is Jesus' plea for help any clearer than when he used the illustration of a landowner hiring farm workers in Matthew chapter 20. What, a, what an illustration here. Verse number one. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Now, it doesn't say when he went into the field. It could have been dark, but uh, the, the accounting of the day is the first hour is the first hour of sunlight, second hour of sunlight, third hour of sunlight. So it's about 9 o'clock here when he says the third hour. It's about 9 a.m. Went out the third hour, 9 a.m., and still early in the morning, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Um, he's, got a, he's got a harvest, and there's a, a time crunch here. The, the, the harvest is ready. They've got to get the harvest in. If they don't get it in, uh, they'll, they'll lose the harvest, uh, possibly. There could be uh, adverse weather or whatever, and then they'll lose that harvest, which is perfect right now. It's ready to be harvested. And he says, hey, listen, i got a field, and I need some workers. And he goes in, and he says, hey, I need your help. So he gets people that go out early in the field, 9 o'clock early in the morning. He goes, and he sees other people in the marketplace. And he said, what are you doing here? There's a job to be done. And in verse number four, he, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Verse five, again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour. So he went out nine o'clock in the morning, the sixth hour is noon, ninth hour is three, and he did Likewise. And about the 11th hour, this is 5 o'clock in, in the afternoon, getting, it's almost dark. It's almost quitting time. There's possibly one more hour of work left. But in the 11th hour, the Bible says, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, no, that's in the, in the uh, Greek there. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that ye shall receive. He's, he's saying, listen, there's a, there's a need. What are you doing standing around? They go, I don't know. There's, you know, nobody talked to us. This is for you. I need workers. Listen, we're hard up for laborers. I've got a job for you to do, and he's recruiting of course, right off the bat, Jesus tells us that he's not talking about a landowner and a farm, but about God and the human race. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto, and he gives this story. He's talking about God has a heart for humanity. He is zealous about recruiting laborers. If this world is to be reached, it will be reached by sinners publishing his good news about redemption to other sinners. Hey, folks, this appeal is to you and to me. 
in the recruitment of others to honor God, we see David's appeal in our text in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 5. He says, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Hey, I need some help. I'm going to do this myself. But how about joining in? And he asks for help. It's a simple ask. It's not complicated. He appeals to the nation, and this is his ask. Number one, he asks for willing service. In verse number five, who then is willing, he says, willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Verse six, then the chief of the fathers and princes, the Bible says in that verse, offered willingly. Verse nine says, the people rejoice for that they offered Willingly, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly, says it several times. He's asking for willing service, just as salvation is not forced upon a single soul, neither is service or obedience. And by the way, let's stop right there if you're here without Christ. You've never been born again. That's up to you. That's not God's responsibility. You know the song that the choir sang, It is finished. That's what Jesus uttered the last breath of his human life here, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. It's done. It's paid for. It's all done. There's nothing more to add to your salvation. You can't save yourself. You can't pull yourself up. You can't be good enough. You can't join the church and be baptized and and give money enough to to, uh, be saved, to go to heaven. No, you can't do it. It's all been done for you. It's a gift of God, and it's his gift of grace to you that he paid for your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. And now it's up to you. He's not going to force that on you. It's up to you to, to receive him. He, he's, he's not going to, although it's the, the greatest gift ever given to mankind, the greatest offer you'll ever hear about is the gift of salvation. You can be forgiven, you can be pardoned, you can be accepted into the beloved, you could be adopted into the family of God. You can, you can have the righteousness of Christ, and you don't deserve it, but, but God has made that provision for you to be saved, and you can be saved, and it's totally up to you. Your mom's not going to do that for you. Your preacher's not going to do that for you. Your friend, your brother, your Sunday school can't do that for you. This is you. He's not going to force himself on you. But you know, again, like I said, believer, I've talked to a lot of people that are saved here, who've been saved. It's not going to make you serve him. It's not going to make you stand for him. He's not going to make you um, stand up before your friends or your family or your, you know, your peers and say, I believe Jesus. No, no, no. That's, that's totally up to you. Um, the, the waters are ready for a, a brother... Kyle is going to be baptizing this afternoon. There's four people from Skyline. They're going to be baptized this afternoon here. What a wonderful thing. That's really cool. And there's, there's several here that have in, indicated to me, preacher, I'd like to be baptized. Well, how about tonight? You know, we got the water and it's ready. And it's warm too, by the way. And, uh, and you, can, you can do that tonight. But you know what? God's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to say, okay, all right, get baptized. Oh, yes, okay, Lord, uh, I'll, I'll do it. He's not going to do that. No, no, no. You love the Lord? You want to stand for him? Stand for him. He's, he doesn't force that. You want to serve him? It's totally up to you. David said, I'm serving God. This is what I'm given. Is anybody else willing? 
and he's asking for willing service. Our obedience is rewarded, but it's not forced. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, or where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Folks, nothing is pried from our fingers by our Savior, only willingly sacrificed. Oh, you can keep your hypocritical, worthless sham of Christianity, but a genuine, total commitment is voluntarily offered, and let me say divinely accepted. That's up to you. You want to be real and, and pious and genuine with the Lord. He's not going to force that. He's not going to force that. But you can't give that. So, or you can hang on to your material goods, whatever they are. You know, uh, Brother Nick uh, was, and I appreciate everything that Brother Nick says when he comes up here and he's getting ready for the offering. I don't know, he, he goes from, you know, Hong Kong to, uh, you know, podunk holler to get things and, and bring them here. And I'm going, what does that have to do with the offering? But then it does, you know, of, of our commitment and our, our love for him and all. And, you know, like he said this morning, you can hang on to those things. You don't have to give. Nobody has to give. But you can give. And that's what David's saying. Anybody willing to sacrifice? Anybody willing to? He, he's, he's asking a very simple ask for willing, uh, for willing service. You can, like I say, you can hold on to your material goods or you can willing, willingly sacrifice. See, it's up to you. When it says willingly, it means willingly. It means not coerced. It's Jim Elliott, the missionary that is in heaven today. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's what the Lord said. Lay up for yourselves. He's not forcing you. He's saying, let's pay attention. This is wise. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So the ask, just very simply, is a very simple message. David asked, a simple ask. Number one, he asks for willing service. Number two, he asks for personal sacrifice. He says, this is what it's going to cost. We want to build this temple, and it's for God. It's a palace for the Lord, not for man. And he's asking these things. Verse number seven, it says, the leaders gave... For the service of the house of God, of gold, 5,000 talents and, uh, and 10,000 drams, and of silver, 10,000 talents, and of brass, 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron, and they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord. Wow, there's a, a lot of treasure, a lot of wealth that the people were giving. And it was from the top, notice, it was from the leaders. From the top down, everybody gave. It's not just some. It's not just the poor or the slaves. No, no. It was the leaders. They led in giving. And then those that were led, they gave. And it personally cost them. It was their own riches. It was their own wealth that they willingly offered. So the ask was, number one, for willing service. He asked for personal sacrifice. Let me say this. Yes, people, it's going to cost us to see this work grow. It's not just going to grow on its own. It's, it's going to cost. You know what it's going to cost? It's going to cost your time. It's going to cost your focus. 
It's going to cost your labor. It's going to cost your commitment. It's going to cost your money. It's going to cost my money. It's going to cost our talent, our fidelity. See, folks, it takes everything to serve the Lord. That's not hidden. The Lord never hides that. It's not something written in fine print when Jesus asks for service. He asks for that service outright. But you know what? I can't ask for your life. I can't ask for you to be a martyr. I can't ask for you to serve or, or you to give or you to, to uh, uh, sacrifice of yourself. It would be improper for me to ask, but not for the creator. Because he's the creator. He can. And he's not reticent to. He just asks. Luke chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus said, So likewise, whoever, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You think that's a big ask? I uh, guess so. Everything. Who can ask everything? He can. And he does. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then this is what I'm asking. But remember, the comp, uh, compensation program blows away the investment. <laughs> we're, we're so, we're so uh, keen on investments nowadays. If you have something and you have some money you want to invest it, you want the best you know, in, uh, a return on your investment. I'm going to tell you what, folks, to take what we have that we're going to lose and invest it into God's service and get something that's eternal, that, there's nothing like that, man. Come on. <laughs> That's like, you know, you've heard, if it, if it sounds too good to be true, then this sounds too good to be true, but it's true. <laughs> it really is. But that's by faith, folks. I had to trust the Lord on that one. But he says, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. So David asks very simply, his ask, three things. He asks for willing service, for personal sacrifice, and then he asks to give it with great celebration. Look at uh, verse number nine. Then the people rejoiced. <laughs> Wait a minute. They gave, they gave a lot of their personal gain, of their personal wealth or treasure, and the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Folks, every time the people of God sacrifice for their king, there is rejoicing. Isn't that weird? It doesn't seem like it's just, you know, you're losing something and you're rejoicing about that. Yes, they rejoiced. The Old Testament example of an indentured servant who would be granted his freedom, but he voluntarily gives it away for the love that he has for his master and his family in Exodus chapter 21, verse number 5. This is the example that, that uh, the Old Testament gives. And if the servant shall ask plainly, shall, shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. He says, I'm giving you your freedom. But he says, I want to go. I, I got a good here. I love my master. I love my family that's here. I, I don't want to go out free. I love my master more than I love my freedom. And he says, you could do that. It's a commitment. You can go ahead and do that. And they gladly did. How can a bond slave enjoy his captivity and his service? 
If he serves the master, it's easy. I know that, folks. I know that by example or by experience. Jesus was that greater than Solomon. He's the one to whom loyal service to is a joy. When Jesus said there's a greater than Solomon is here, he's talking about Solomon. Well, back in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 4, the Bible says, When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went into, up into the house of the Lord, there was no spirit in her. You remember, Solomon is just a type of Christ, kind of a foreshadow of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. That Really, that's what Jesus said himself. And here's this queen that she came to, she heard about this fame of Solomon. And so she came to see it herself and she was blown away. She was blown away to see the, the, the opulence, to see the, 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 the treasure, to see that magnificence, to see uh, uh, the, the pomp and the circumstance in his worship of the, of the Lord. And the Bible says that, that there was no more spirit in her. She, she was just speechless. Verse number six and she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. She said, I didn't even hear the half of it. Man, I tell you, I heard all of these things, and I was impressed. But when I came, they didn't do it justice. Folks, you don't know the half of heaven. You don't know the half of God's blessings. You don't know the half of, of the, the, the splendors of heaven and eternity that God has for those who invest in his service. And, and she says, I didn't even know that. And then this is what she says in verse number eight. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Wow. How can one be happy to suffer for the Lord or, or sacrifice for the Lord? I mean, King Solomon's servants were happy. I want to tell you something. Ever since I've gotten saved, <laughs> if, if there were no heaven and hell, I'd do it again to have happiness, personal happiness as, as I have today. I mean, truly, it's like people, that's, that's what they're after. Poor Mick Jagger, he's still not gotten any satisfaction. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And, and that's the world. The world goes on and on and on, and they ain't got no satisfaction. But you know what? Since I got saved, I've been one happy camper. I'm telling you that's the truth. I'm not putting on. I'm telling you that's the way it is. I serve the king. I sacrifice for him. Everything that I have, that's his. And you know what? I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. And it's just wonderful. And it gets better and better. And he gets gooder and gooder every day. <laughs> that's the truth. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants. How can one be happy to, to give and to lose what they have? For someone else, how can somebody be happy to suffer for his name? Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And to him they agreed when they had called the apostles and beaten them, commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council depressed. Uh, wait a minute, that's not what it says. And they departed from the presence of the council crying. 
wincing because of their, their stripes. No. They repart, departed from the presence of the council rejoicing <laughs> that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. How in the world does that happen? Well, to see the love of Christ, what he's done for us. Acts chapter 16, verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them in the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They were happy to serve God. They were joyful. They rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for him. Wow. That's weird. Hebrews eleven twenty five, Moses, the Bible says, choosing to suffer, rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now what he had to enjoy was the top of the top of the top of the top. You know, the, to, to have to be the, the, the most powerful ruler on the face of the planet at the time that Moses was in line for that. And you know what? He said, I'm rather going to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy whatever this world has. And it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect of the recompense of the reward. He knew, he knew God's recom recompense, his, his uh, uh, what's that called? I, I mentioned it here a while ago. His, his program is much, much better than anything that, that we could have. Back to our text, First Chronicles 29, verse number 9. The Bible says, <clears throat> Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. They gave and they rejoiced because of it. Because with a perfect heart they offered willingly unto the Lord. David the king also rejoiced with great joy. People, I'm asking the same thing that David asked the congregation back then. I'm asking you. Same, same ask. I'm asking for willing service, for personal sacrifice, with great celebration. And to rejoice with me in serving our king here. We could accomplish great things together if we corporately, if we all together in unity served him. First Chronicles 29, verse number 5 again. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Who then is willing to consecrate his service today? Unto the Lord. I am. How about it? Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you help us to, to band together to serve you. Have the privilege of sacrifice for you. Have the privilege of labor for you. Of even suffering for you. Lord, thank you that we can serve. Thank you that with this appeal... Those people, they gave, and boy, they gave, and they gave, and they gave to, to just see the things that they gave and the, to, to list them out. It was just unbelievable, the treasures that came from that crowd. And they rejoiced in giving. They rejoiced because it was not for man, but for the Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that I could serve you. Thank you that I could 
again, dedicate my heart, my life. I've done this years and years ago. I remember that first time that, that I, I kind of realized what you were asking. And as a teenager, I, I knelt before you and I, and I consecrated, I gave myself to you. I said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you, I'm yours. Lord, thank you for accepting my sacrifice, my offering. Today, I, I recommit and I, I, I reconsecrate my, my life, my heart to you. Thank you, Lord, that I can, that I can honor you by, by giving. Lord, thank you for accepting the offering of life, the offering of labor, of, of fellowship, of obedience. Lord, I pray that this congregation would do the same thing because wasn't David asking so many years ago to the nation of Israel, it's you asking for us today, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? I am. We are. Lord, I pray that you would accept our, our offer to you. We ask that you deal with hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.